Grooming gang members continue to escape justice, King's College in London cancels Prince Philip, and the council culture reaches Comedy Central. Hello everyone, happy Monday. It's bank holiday, but we don't really do that on this channel, so we're going to continue with our regular Monday to Friday daily shows, and we're going to introduce to you the new formats of all the different shows that we are finally going to introduce on this new channel, including exclusive interviews. I can now reveal that the first guest on our exclusive interview segment is going to be Alex Belfield in the coming days. Stay tuned for that. But today we're going to talk about grooming gangs, specifically in Rotherham, South Yorkshire and different parts of the country and how they are continuing to avoid justice uh, in this country. And we're going to talk about the reasons behind it because no one really is analyzing why this is actually happening in this country. Uh, we're also going to talk about cancel culture because it's back as usual. Firstly, we have been hearing all these investigations and reports over the last few years on grooming gangs, on uh, obviously sexual harassment and assault has been happening uh, with our children up and down this country. Now, specifically, parts of the country that is dominated by certain cultures, specifically certain people in parts of the Middle East, like Pakistan, and uh, of course, uh, those with the uh, who obviously, of course, use the cultural parts of uh, the faith, Islam, uh, to then just justify their own actions. We're going to talk about all this. Uh, but the main point of this whole situation is that uh, the Home Office under Sajid Javid and now Priti Patel and everybody else, this government generally, promised to tackle this issue. Uh, they also came up with this uh, grooming gangs report. Uh, which again, a lot of people were obsessed with, uh, or release it, or are you going to not release it, or we're going to find out what's in it. I don't really care about whether you're going to release the report or not. Even if you keep it private inside the Home Office, do something about it. Uh, it so the, the, the fact that the whole debate uh, turned into uh, whether they're going to release the report, uh, is it going to be transparent or not, it became trivial about that. No one really discussed uh, the real important issue, which is, fine, even if they do release all the details, does that mean the police are going to finally act on it. Does that mean that the Ministry of Justice are finally going to act on it? Because what we now have been hearing is that according to the um, Freedom of Information Act requests uh, that we've had recently, uh, firstly, one in 34 crimes linked to child sexual ex exploitations last year in 2020 uh, were actually uh, received a charge. So only one in 34 were charged. I mean, there's, there's a big problem, by the way, with the the terminology, child sexual exploitation, and how they, it is seen in our justice, justice system and how easily you can charge people as opposed to, of course, other uh, areas. Uh, but nevertheless, when you hear that the South Yorkshire Police made 16 charges from the 540 crimes that they flagged, the police flagged themselves, um, I mean, th there is a big problem here. So one issue is, you know, the, the number of people that are charging. Second point is, even if they are charged, try to find evidence. Third is that uh, that goes directly towards the Minister of Justice and the justice system in general. Uh, even when there's a court hearing, is it going to actually get anywhere or not? This has been a big problem. And there are a lot of campaigners who've been you know, talking about this for a long time and nothing has still been achieved, obviously. We're still going uh, to continue the fight uh, for justice. But in 2014, this report came out about uh, the years between 1997 and 2013. It's a long time. More than 1,400 children in Rotherham alone were exposed uh, to violence and sexual abuse uh, by groups of men. 
Uh, and uh, there are, of course, a lot of campaigners and activists who, are, who have been dealing with this. Uh, and Sarah Champion, who is a local MP in Rotherham, has been amazing on this issue. Uh, but of course, she's only a backbencher and she's not even part of the party in government. Uh, so she's, you know, up to a point, powerless. Because on the one hand, she's dealing with her own party, Labour. The Labour Party are absolutely bonkers on this issue because of political correctness. A lot of people on the left are attacking Sarah Champion for even raising this issue. Uh, and we are going to talk about the two main problems with this whole thing anyway. But when you have good campaigners, Sarah Champion, who on different topics, I disagree with her because she's, you know, part of the Labour Party. She believes in socialism um, or social democracy, as they say these days. Um, yet on this issue, I am supporting her. But when people on her own side come out and say these things, this is on Twitter, when you have the Labour Politics Zone account and also Nas Shah MP retweeting tweets like this saying, those abused girls in Rotherham and elsewhere just need to shut their mouths for the good of diversity. This is not satire. This is not a spoof account. This, these sort of things happen. And every now and then, the far left expose their own true face. When a member of parliament, Nas Shah, and again, activists from a political party like Labour, come out to not only say these things or support these things, but then they attack their own, Sarah Champion, for raising these issues. Uh, other people on the, well, not really left, but more towards the liberal side, Majid Nawaz and LBC, who's been raising this issue, this issue been attacked by the left. Uh, because, of course, you expect this issue to be raised by people on the right. For some reason, this has become a left and right issue. God knows how. But uh, this has been a big problem. And it all goes back to not just political correctness, but a number of other uh, reasons behind it. That's why I say I'm going to go into the, the main two solutions and how you need to address this issue. But let's look at some of the case studies that we've had recently. Firstly, Sam was nine when a neighbor sexually abused him. His mother, Janine, called the police when she first had suspicions about the older man, but no immediate action was taken. Officers told her the suspect was on the sex offenders register, but then made her sign a non-disclosure agreement. Six months later, Sam made further allegations about, and, and the man has since been jailed for crimes related to the abuse. I mean, this is absolutely astonishing, by the way, um, how uh, they, they made him sign a non-disclosure agreement, despite the fact that he was on a sex offenders register. Uh, Janine, uh, who is in the Midlands, uh, she said that she suspected the man uh, after he took an interest in Sam, including giving him a Manchester Union uh, United flag as a gift, uh, and a friend of hers saw them together in a car. Someone I knew saw him on a man's knee pretending uh, to drive his car with his hand up the back of my son's shirt. I mean, again, this story has obviously been happening for a long time. These case studies exist. And when you know that there are certain evidence, now there are a lot of these cases also had photo evidence as well, um, but also eyewitness, eyewitnesses, still doesn't really get anywhere. The police interviewed the man under caution. However, the officers told Janine there was not enough evidence to prosecute and that he had said he was just tickling the boy. The same man who was already on the sex um, offenders list, um, there's no evidence that he might do something bad. This is my point about this whole situation. So political correctness and also the, the culture wars are the reason. Firstly, you need to reform the 
the policing, but mainly the justice system. It's the justice system that's letting us down. Uh, we know that. So it's not just really the Home Office in that sense. It's the Ministry of Justice. Now, this is the legal side of it that we have to actually address, and no one's really brave enough to say it. Now, the second one is even more uh, controversial for a lot of people to even bring up. Who is behind these attacks? Now, we know that historically, um, a lot of men... Uh, and of course, you know, it, it's not really, we've also had odd, odd cases where women also do it uh, when it comes to younger children, teachers, schools. But we're talking about older men and younger children, boys and girls. We've been doing this historically from different cultures, different races, different everything, uh, different skin colors. We're specifically talking about what's happening right now in the UK. The 99.9% .9 of these cases coming from uh, people linked to certain culture and certain parts of this planet. Now, no one's really brave enough to say that there is a link between not everybody who is from the Middle East, not everybody who is from Pakistan, or not everybody who is Muslim. But there is a link and correlation between uh, some of them who are linked to that backward culture uh, from, uh, again, parts of the Middle East. You've got Pakistan, you've got certain part, and other parts as well. Uh, not necessarily the middle class parts of Iran, <laughs> uh, but you have, of course, other parts who are linked so you have to bring it up. You have to have an honest conversation about the mentality behind these attacks and the way they see uh, young children in the West, white young children in the West, especially young uh, white girls. Um, so, of course, you know, if you don't have control over migration, if you don't know who's actually coming in, and if you don't have control over numbers, eventually some bad people are going to come through. And you can't control it. And then they're going to come through. They're going to do all these bad things. And then no one knows how to address it anymore because it's politically incorrect. Now, this channel will be focusing on this um, uh, going forward because this is, again, one of the topics that we couldn't really discuss on YouTube. I made a couple of videos about this on YouTube. They got deleted immediately. One of them got demonetized. I got cautioned on YouTube. Uh, that's why we are doing this on this channel. And um, we are now going to be linking this channel to other platforms as well to make sure that people are aware of what we are doing and the campaigns that we are doing. Um, so I'm obviously going to be posting on Rumble and BitChute and all the others as well, the short clips, so people know about this new channel. Now, uh, this is going to be the ongoing campaign as well for this uh, uh, website. But again, it goes back to political correctness, the culture wars, and the fact that you can't talk about things because you'll be cancelled. Now, I understand somehow when the far left cancels uh, or deplatforms people who are currently doing something. There are activists, there are commentators. But when they cancel someone who's dead, I never got that. I never understood when they were going to cancel Churchill, for example. And now they're going to, they've canceled Prince Philip. King's College in London. Now, Prince Philip it became part of uh, King's College, obviously honorary, uh, since in 1995. And uh, he also went to open wings of the college and everything else. And he was part of the university. He went to do a lot of ceremonies with the Queen herself. Um, now, King's College, uh, following the death of Prince Philip, uh, sent out uh, an email um, statement to their members. And guess what? People at King's College, all the woke lecturers and all the activists, the liberal left, kicked off, saying that, how dare you? King, <laughs> Prince Philip is racist is fascist, is sexist, is everything ist, everything you could find, all the ists that you could find in the dictionary. <laughs> Just not the good ists, all the bad ists. So you have to completely cancel everything you've done. You have to apologize 
to all of us because it's outrageous. You have to erase history. And if you erase history, if you erase Prince Philip and all the things he said or done, and even though it's subjective, <laughs> and if you just erase the history in Britain and the monarchy and all the kings and queens and prime ministers, do you know what's going to happen? The world is going to be peaceful. That's it. Rewrite history and everything's going to be fine. I'm guessing that's what they think because it's not logical. Firstly, it's not going to happen. By rewriting history, you're not really going to be able to fix any problem that we have. Secondly, what problems are you going to actually be solving? A lot of the problems that these people are trying to address or target have already been resolved. The mass culture of, for example, racism or sexism, things like that, that was a, it was a norm, not just in Europe. Um, there are currently a norm in parts of Africa and Asia. We know that, especially in the Middle East. But in Europe specifically, um, we are moving on. We've already made progress. We are doing a lot better. Yet, these people want to bring back a problem that no longer exists. Now, <laughs> the uh, associate director uh, of uh, King's College uh, had to apologize, uh, saying, she said, the picture, basically they posted a photo of Prince Philip in this email, uh, the picture was included as a historical reference point following his death. The inclusion of the picture was not intended to commemorate him. <laughs> Then why did you do it? First, that, that was the whole point, because he, after, after the death of Prince Philip, a, a lot of institutions sent out uh, emails or bulletins and things like that. But then she says, uh, through feedback and uh, also a lot of conversations that they had, we have come to realize the harm that this caused members of our community because of his history of racist and sexist comments. We are sorry to have caused this harm. The, what? <laughs> so that's fine. If you haven't noticed, as of yesterday, King's College have now eliminated racism and sexism. King's College is now the utopia of academia, or not, because these people are the same hard left people who come out and express racist views about white people. Because clearly, you can be racist towards white people, according to them. And this is a big problem that we have. And this council culture stuff has been getting out of hand, obviously. And, and I think we have to be completely consistent. If you believe that you're on the right, the political right on this issue, cultural wars, um, you can, of course, you have to support uh, anyone who's been deplatformed, but try to be consistent whether they are on the left or right. So if Jordan Peterson gets deplatformed, of course, I'm going to kick off. But if Owen Jones gets deplatformed, I'm also going to kick off. And this is what we have to be consistent. If we want to be on the right, as in the correct side, and if you want to be morally uh, correct on this, then you have to be consistent. And there has been a number of issues, of course. Uh, for, exa for example, Comedy Central. Of course, they have an all-female panel show. And uh, a couple of comedians have decided to leave the show. Um, it is a cancel culture through the back doors. Um, so it's sort of like what happened with Piers Morgan when he left uh, uh, the Good Morning Britain. Uh, he was he, he he jumped before he was he pushed basically. Um, Sophie Duker and uh, uh, Kemabab walked off uh, this uh, panel show. Uh, now different reasons. There have been a number of comedians who have been leaving shows uh, for a number of different reasons. It's like some of them kind of right wing comedian comedian wise. Uh, some of them left wing. Uh, some of them just centrist. Now this is actually fascinating because the main issue with, for example, people like Sophie uh, is uh, the fact that. Uh, these networks are now controlling their monologues and they are controlling what they can joke about or what they can't. And this is the thing, with comedy, it doesn't really have any boundary in that sense. 
So a comedian could make a, an anti-left-wing joke, but also an anti-right-wing joke. And I know some people, even on the right, are very, very sensitive if you make jokes about their beloved right-wing figures. If you make a joke about Margaret Thatcher or Churchill or the flag, they cry. Just don't be sensitive. It's a joke. And even if it's not funny, it's still subjective. Let them talk. It's free speech. Um, and also, on the left, they get kicked off if you, um, you know, make a joke that is semi-sexist, for example, or comes across as racist, or just juicy. Now, the whole point of this is that she, she has this uh, routine uh, joke about recently about this controversial new policing bill, or crime bill, uh, that's been uh, obviously designed to attack uh, free protests in the UK. Um, and uh, also, she's also been talking about this uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict in, uh, in the Middle East, uh, and also the anti-Semitism among liberals and the left. Now, Comedy Central and the network have been trying to control her speech, saying you can't talk about certain things. And this is actually fascinating, because some of the stuff that she has been saying is actually not really attacking the left, it's quite very progressive. Some of the stuff are when she was trying to expose the liberals um, and their hypocrisy on uh, racism. Apparently, Comedy Central were not too happy. So she said, uh, in my monologue, I attempted to highlight the oppressive governments across the globe clamping down on uh, civilians' right to protest. Yes, fine. And also, of course, then she was talking about Glasgow and all the stuff that happens with deportations. That's her view. But then she said, and called out, well-meaning liberals and lefties who claim to be anti-racist, yet share and amplify anti-Semitic material. No, Sophie, you're not allowed to joke about that. Because the far left will get upset. How dare you uh, call out the hypocrisy of the liberal left? And uh, yeah, no, because they, they, if they say they're anti-racist, then they're anti-racist. If Antifa say they're anti-fascist, even though they are fascists themselves, no, they're anti-fascist, apparently, according to them. So you're just going to have to go with the flow, Sophie. Just go with the flow. And this is the biggest problem that we're currently facing in, in the West right now, where terminologies have been completely stolen by the left, and you can't really discuss anything anymore. Uh, so we, what we have to do, it's not really the political right. It's just the right side of history, uh, because it, even the right right now is a big coalition. You've got the conservative side, you've got the liberal right, you've got the libertarians, you've got um, more of a kind of non-political, well, ideologically non-political side who are just ordinary working class people who are fighting for the silent majority. Um, at times they might agree with right-wing issues, at times they might not. They might like the high taxations and NHS and all the weird nonsense that the left likes. But we have to come together and do something about this by trying to take back control of these terminologies and phrases that they've been hijacking for a long time. I'm going to be talking about this on a daily basis, especially this week, I'm guessing. I have a feeling this week's going to all be about the cancel culture because they're back out. There's nothing else in the news. That apparently, political system is now fixed that uh, these people are now focusing on all the other issues. Now, there are bigger problems right now going on in the country with the roadmap and whether we're going to extend the 21st of June or not. But we're going to discuss this on this channel. But first, let's go to... The questions we have received from the full members of the channel as you guys know on the previous youtube channel we were answering the weekly questions you guys were sending uh, but the full members now on the members area uh, page on the website uh, there's a box where you could just submit your questions on a regular basis every day and i'll just answer them every day at the end of each show let's go to jason hollis uh, jason says uh, what's the nonsense with international travel and red list countries i can understand the levels of quarantine if it's actually for public health, 
But what I can't understand is that someone from a red list country has to get an indirect flight to the UK, mixing with many others who are not considered red list. It just sounds like a money making scheme to Jason is absolutely spot on. This whole traffic light system makes absolutely no sense anymore because you're dealing with the international community. Each country and government have their own different versions of the traffic lights if they have it. And then, of course, if you're going to come from a red list country, you could you know, go indirectly through a different country, then you're going to be mixing the airport with everybody else. Are we actually going to be, is this really for public health? Is this virus really that dangerous? Because if it is, then this system is not working. If this virus is really, really that um, uh, fatal, which is not, obviously we know, we know the facts, but in terms of fatality and mortality, then all they have to do is completely shut down all the countries and all the airports and lock down everything for months to see what happens. But no, all this is just nonsense. It's like the whole rule of six, you know, because if you have a group of seven, oh no, you're all going to die. But six is fine. If you, you know, if you're out at 9 p.m., 9.59 p.m., it's fine. But 10 o'clock, the virus is going to come out and kill everybody. Um, yeah, Jason's absolutely spot on. There's absolutely no logic behind this. And a lot of people would say, well, what else would you do? But there's a whole issue around what you're going to do, be doing with countries that are not really controlling the whole situation, the virus. Either do short term, if you're going to go authoritarian, I'm going to put my authoritarian hat. I'm going to give advice to Sage <laughs> for their perspective. Either completely ban travel from countries that you know, you're scared of, uh, like India. Well, don't do this weird traffic light thing where people can just find a loophole <laughs> to come towards the country. It's just, it's just nonsensical. Also, everything's going to be fine. We're now reaching herd immunity. The virus is now being uh, defeated anyway. Even the new variants are not really as dangerous. Everybody calm down. Um, unless things change. And of course, if, if it changes, then new information will arise. And I'll say, oh, fair. Things are bad. But right now, it's fine. Arthur says, all the polls since the Cummings interview seem to show an increased uh, support for Boris. Is there anything Starmer can do other than accept that it's curtains for him? I do feel sorry for Sakir Starmer because um, he keeps picking the wrong side during these battles and debates. He, he, he thought that if he picks Dominic Cummings' side, then it's good gambling. But he forgot that the public are not that stupid. People are definitely not stupid, but also they don't have bad memory. Because the public remember that a year ago, Starmer and his gang were going around saying that, well, we can't believe Dominic Cummings when he says that he was going for an eye test in Barnard Castle. Now, Cummings has come out with all these allegations and they say, oh, we believe every word that Dominic Cummings is saying. <laughs> Be consistent. This is why Starmer is just losing. He doesn't really, it's just lose-lose for him at this, at this point. Unless he, the only way that they can survive is not Starmer for survive, it's Labour survive. They have to completely reform the whole party, probably even change the name and the, the, the whole branding. But there's no way that they can actually short-term survive. Neil says, hi, Maya. What are the rules for posting in the forums, please? Uh, I asked because I tried to respond to a threat called New Green Deal, but my reply is not appearing. Uh, yes, again, then he continues talking about the whole issue. Yes, this is actually a good point. Neil, I did say in the previous video, uh, but it is going to be happening in the next couple of days. Uh, we are completely revamping the forums section on the on the channel. Uh, we're going to make it look nicer, more colorful. Fonts are going to be bigger. Uh, it's just being finalized now. We're just going through the testing. Uh, one main problem with the current one is that uh, if you haven't seen your comments, uh, Neil, it's because um, the, the current format, which is 
absolutely stupid, uh, the system that uh, they created. Uh, the recent comments go to the bottom of the page, so the final page, instead of coming at the top of the page. Uh, so we're trying to fix that, basically. They didn't create this easy system for us, these people. So um, <laughs> we're not going to be fixing it, Neil, don't worry. Um, but uh, your comment should be basically towards the end of the thread, essentially. Uh, David McHugh says, um, I've noticed that in the comments, despite there being a reply button after a comment, it's not possible to reply to a member's comment. It simply adds the reply to the bottom of the list of the comments. Yes. Um, yeah, obviously, because on Twitter or YouTube or other platforms, uh, if there's a reply to a specific comments, it just comes underneath that specific comment. Um, yes, that's also another feature, David, that is going to be now updated. Uh, because, yeah, right now, if you just reply, it just goes to the main thread. Uh, but, yeah, don't worry. Thanks for all the feedbacks. Uh, part of the, these questions, uh, the Q&As that we have, of course, if you have political questions, I answer. But also, uh, for the first few days and weeks, um, any feedback or any questions you have about uh, the website, the channel, any, any, obviously, just ideas that you have, just put it in. And I'll definitely answer. And we will take action, unlike the Home Office and Pretty Vitel with their empty promises. <laughs> Thanks again for watching. I'm Maya Tusi. And I'll see you guys next video.